Okay. So let's get right into it. Share with us your journey on being an international student. Okay. So um, my journey, I would say the big journey started, I say, 2014 or was it 2013? I, I should say when I finished my national service in Ghana with the Confucius Institute. The Confucius Institute is um, one of China's biggest institutes for learning language and culture and also for connecting international students, you know, who want to study in China and all that. So I was the first secretary of the Confucius Institute in the University of Ghana. That was when I came um, from France. So I think I missed a step. So my first experience is actually, <laughs> is actually in um, my third year of university. So that must have been in 2012 when I came to France as an international student, yes, to study on a scholarship called the Erasmus Program. And that was for University of Strasbourg in France. So when I got the scholarship every year they select six students after an intensive interview where you you know first of all have to have a first class and you have to also have done a lot with language studies and they also interview you about um, your experience you know with the language up to that point so anyways they select six students to give a scholarship that means tuition is free and you get to pay okay only your accommodation and your flight ticket yes so i got selected um with the, that year with five other students two ladies we were with four guys and that was my first first experience and i'm telling you it was not a funny experience first off <laughs> i left my bag at the place where i got to in germany because i had to go to my cousin to live with her in germany for a month before the program actually started in France. Those of you who know Strasbourg, Strasbourg is just a stone throw from uh, Germany. So they even share a border yeah. and some even go shopping in Germany over the weekend. It's, it's kind of close. And so um, I wanted to have, first of all, a little prep before the <laughs> thing. So, and my dad was eager for me to bond with my cousin. I had heard a lot about her, but I hadn't really, you know, gotten to be with her. So uh, I was supposed to transit from, I've forgotten the exact city, but I was supposed to just transit from there to Germany. And that city was in France, you know, like it was passing through France, but since school had not opened, I was just going to continue to Germany. You know, with the Schengen, you can just zip yeah. up your way through. So when it got to that city in France, I got down and it wasn't a language problem here. It was a cultural problem because I tell you, I, w I had to get my way to where I am getting the ticket. And when I got the ticket, I think that there's something called validating, you know, the ticket. And I didn't validate. So when I was at the platform, I heard some lady say, um, oh, les contrôleurs, les contrôleurs, like that's those who control the ticket. Yeah. Valide, you know, he was asking a friend, she was asking a friend. So just then I was like, what is valide? I didn't do this. What is, you know, so <laughs> I, <laughs> I was so scared to the bone that I immediately told the lady, can you watch over my bag for me? Like we do in Ghana, you know, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, those who are Ghanaian, show me baggy, mommy, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm like, can you 
can you watch over my bag for me? I'm just going down to validate it. I said it in French because the language was not itself a problem. But you know, with traveling, there's always that cultural difference that hits at you. Yeah. Anyways, I rushed down. I went to validate the thing. They showed me a certain machine. You put it in, it has the sound like, you know, it comes out mm-hmm. and there's a stamp over it. So when I came up on the platform, my bag is gone. Everyone is gone. An empty platform. I'm them like, oh, did you see the lady here? I left my bag with somebody. You guys see? <laughs> that was my first experience of hello, welcome abroad. You know, I could not believe this. And I went down to the office and it was like, you know, I'm just jumping the queue. I'm like, s'il vous plaît, j'ai perdu mon bagage, s'il vous plaît. You know, telling the Because I had a lot of stuff. I had gifts for my cousin. I had a, a lot of my, you know, studying documents and all this. Yeah. So, and he, she was like, he was like, come to her, come to her, you know, like, come down and tell us what's actually, what actually happened. So I explained to the guy that I left my bag with somebody to take care of it for me. And he asked me, was it the train that left at, you know, 11, blah, blah, just now I said, yeah. And he called the um, the driver and the driver was like, oh, that lady's bag is here. I mean, some lady told me that, you know, she left it with her and they came in, in the train with it, but she didn't take it away. And I was like, oh my, that was such a chance wow. and I, would, I was so scared like so when is it coming and he said oh the, the train actually leaves every 10 minutes so you could have taken the next one you didn't have to you know leave your bag with anybody and I was like you know how when you're in Ghana you're taking the STC or you know like the ticket you have is for that bus and probably yeah. you know it doesn't validate for the next one so I was so oblivious of that you know system and that that was it um for my welcome <laughs> But how did it prep you for the rest of the journey? Well, obviously making me aware that in in France, and the, the guy told me very well, said, don't leave your bag with people, you know. And it prepped me mentally to know that I'm in a different environment. Things work differently here. And when you talk about advanced you know, countries, you're talking about advanced systems, yeah. um, you know, systems of operation, you're talking about their their mindset, you know, of of even what it, when it comes to traveling and, you know, getting your things together, getting your acts together, you cannot be in a place and still have old mindset and old, you know, habits and way of doing things because you risk having either, not just a shock, but you, you mm. risk actually just having big issues you know unexpected stuff that that to deal with because mistakes are costly when you travel yes you realize that no you quickly have to adjust so it actually put me on my toes really really fast and it got me realizing that wow i had a lot to learn and i had to be smart and quick you know in picking up details in being fast about you know observing how things work and asking a lot of questions because if this validating if i had asked probably i would not have made a mistake you know so not just assuming but really being on my on the on you know the asking end you know doesn't hurt to ask Mm. yeah i think that's a very very important point as internationals when we go to new places we should feel comfortable to ask questions to be able to um, get familiar with our environment exactly thank you very much for sharing that point and to continue on your journey so share with us how your learning how was your learning experience from um, learning a language in France. I mean, you are all about languages anyway. So Mm -hmm. just tell us how your experience has been learning, comparing the learning in your home country, Ghana, and um, the places you've been. Okay, thanks for that question. Well, yeah, the learning 
experience was um it was organized it was also a very eye-opening experience um so um with the university of strasbourg i realized that they had a whole system called agora so that system takes care of our whole registration process i mean it's a place where you go meet you know those in charge so um it was pretty smooth and i realized that they had already pre-organized everything for us so we had um you know a, a whole ring of activity when you go there you have uh, somebody at a post every step of what you have to do so even when it has to do with getting your bus ticket or i mean your bus registration card done you have somebody telling you that at this point go to you know the office uh what do you call it? the rtp that's for france but they also have a, a um, you know a bus system there in, in strasbourg uh, i've forgotten the name but over there you know they would lead you to where you have to go next and next and next so all your things are wow. done and the student um yeah well talking of learning experience, so that is it for registration and all that because yeah. the students also have some bonuses with you know uh, whether it's payment and all stuff so they helped us to get all that set and for the education experience, um, it was it was really diversified. But the thing is that you have to have had a certain level of preparation. If not, you will really be like you know detached from what's going on. You may just lose the connection. Uh, they had an amphitheater where we'll go for some of the courses, but some of them other courses were also in smaller groups of maybe 20 13 um and the lecturers were those kinds that would really push you to you know express yourself but also do assignments and so we had some sessions where we would you know do a presentation in class and all that so um mostly they were really talking all, all along just in French, you know, just in French. They were of the mindset that you, you're already prepared. You should know why you're here. And it was really um, also about engaging us, you know, challenging us and all that. So we did courses in communication. We did some in grammar. We did also a course in linguistics called Bizarrerie de la Langue Française. That's bizarre you know, things in the French language that you should know, maybe strange uh, kind of differences. We did um, courses in, uh, what do you call it, um, comprehension, but also uh, an aspect of culture. Um, so it was quite diversified and really fun. I realized that they were very, very able, prepared, and the system was favorable for us. So yeah. That that was a good experience. Yeah, there were Greek, Greek people from Greece and so many con um, countries in our class, Lebanon and you know Algeria and um, yeah. So learning experience well, and the lectures were for you to you know when you know your schedule, it's for you to follow, be in class. But yeah. one of the amazing times I had was also the opportunity that they gave us that are, apart from a fr being a French student, they opened up some language courses in other departments for us. So okay. I got to do German as well. You could also pick Chinese and other courses, but I was working. So I, when I looked at my schedule, I could afford to do German. So I was going for German classes in Kral and I really missed the place. It was a, a what do you call <laughs> it, a language laboratory for German studies. And I loved, loved that moment. It was in the evening 
evenings after my main classes at the department. And the department was big, was lovely. There was always something going on if you would ask, you know, and that is how come we got to know the language stuff alongside. So I would yeah. go in the evenings from around four and they had the headsets ready. They had activities, they had stuff for us to do and you would spend an hour there and go home. And yeah, it was really very fun. That was it. So that was for your undergraduate um, year abroad experience. Oh, exactly. Okay. And what about your master's experience? Because I know your master's to you are an international student. Could you share more about that also? The master's was in China. And I had to, you know, because first of all, I wanted to go on the ticket of the Confucius Institute, you know, yeah, but it was actually kind of dicey that year was a bit limited. So I found schools on my own that were offering master's program. But what I did was that I wanted to know, you know, if I had the level and to know the programs available. So, um, I was working with helping, the, when I say Confucius Institute tickets, I was working in helping the students who wanted to go there. So we had already done okay. interviews for some batches to go to China. I was in charge of helping them, you know, with the interview, helping the Chinese director with the interview. So it was fun. It was kind of, you know, I, a lot of anxiety for the students because it was the first time yeah. we were doing that exchange thing. And so we got about 15 students to China. They were collaborating with Zhejiang University of China, which is in the south of China. That was the director's university or her alma mater. So we sent 15 students there and I, I was contemplating if I should also apply to go over there. But the process seemed a little bit more complicated than I thought since I was no longer a student, it was going to be different for me. But anyways, eventually I found, you know, a, um, a university in Beijing. The communication was smooth. It was so amazing because there's a system they've put in place called the CUAC and they actually are in charge of helping students who want to school in China for further study. So okay. they were always picking my calls. It was very interesting. I was just one man, one lady, if I should say, you know, like a one-man pursuit. That's what I meant to say. But a one lady yeah. who would just be calling, you know, China. Sometimes the time difference would be quite strange, but there would always be someone on the line who say, yes, it does CUAC. So what can I do for you? Okay, Alice, yeah, I'm my friend. So they were Betty. speaking English? They were speaking English and they were telling me, okay. my friend Betty told me about your interest. Okay, yeah, we found the university for you, but you said this. And they would always follow up. Even if there was a different person on the phone, she would know about what I was talking about or another wow. friend she would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. They are very serious in, you know, with regard to even up till now, I receive their mails, you know, of potential courses and stuff if I'm interested. And it's been seven years already. And so China is really, really big and serious about this opening up reform. Those of you who don't know, in 2008, they started opening up reform, opening up more to engage um, the world because they've been actually a closed off country for quite a long time. So so when I went on that quest, I found the, these people to be very helpful. And eventually, without anybody's help, I found the university, I got the forms, I signed, I, I filled stuff online. It was a lot of okay. back and forth, back and forth, but it was, it was quite pretty smooth. No government agency involved, nobody, just me, a young student in Ligon, <laughs> I would go to the laptop every afternoon and check if I had information and something like that. So eventually they sent me an admission letter, they sent me the course, they sent me stuff, and then I was like, okay, cool. Um, I actually prepared and then went. So over there, 
if you ask me, when I got to the airport, I was like, oh my, what have I done? So many Chinese people <laughs> around me. I was like, what am I doing here? It was like the whole world was whirling around. Well, so my yeah. experience, yeah, totally different world, totally different. I could never have imagined how it would be because I always thought mm -hmm. that once I've done Chinese in, in Ghana, perhaps I should just pocket that and, you know, go to go. I would never have been able to like you know know how they are till i went there i would never have yeah. been able to know so so well when i went there um they received me well they sent me the information of the place i'm supposed to go and when i went there were people there for registration and stuff and so they received us eventually all together with the other students and it was for masters as mcafee you said so masters in um no what am i saying it was for a language program because as i okay. mentioned earlier yeah i wanted to know how the place was if i would love to stay for masters if i wanted to really pursue you know a two-year or a three-year masters and it was easier to enter with a language program okay. uh, yes request and also obviously I wanted to improve my Chinese and spend a year just getting acquainted with the place so right. actually admission I received and the letter whatever it was for a one-year language program how long was the language program one year okay. in a training college yes okay. in the Beijing University of um beijing foreign studies university sorry am i forgetting <laughs> the name of my university yes so beijing foreign studies university sent me the um uh, approval to come and study in their language training okay. institute so that was what took me there though i had masters at the back of yeah. my mind but that was my first step. wow so you was your master's yeah. in English or Chinese? Yes. So after that, when I further did the master's, it was completely in Chinese. It was a master's in diplomacy, so diplomatic studies. Okay. And it was completely in Chinese, like 100% Chinese. I was the only African in my class. So you used one year to learn the language and yes, then please. you went on to do a master's in Chinese? Yes, please. Wow. <laughs> what are some of the things that you did aside school that helped you to get acquainted with the language enough to be able to do a master's? Okay, so to say I did not um, start learning the language from scratch with that okay. one year. I had already okay. had a first contact with the language in University of Ghana. I okay. started in 2009. I was part of the pioneer students that started studying um, Chinese when it was opened okay. up as a general course. So I was taking the course in the evenings with a Chinese okay. uh, yeah, director who had been sent from China. It was later, about two uh, years after, when I came from year abroad, that I realized that it had become a course, you know, like okay. it was a, an option. That, but I had already chosen my courses, so I couldn't change anything or whatever. But um, okay. the Chinese um, supervisor took a liking to me and really gave me the opportunity to just sit in his lectures anytime, come for classes, and he mentored me personally. Wow. So, yes, yes, he wrote my... Um, recommendation letter uh, to go okay to China. yeah so and it was a very okay. very you know good letter he wrote for me so um i remember back then when i was studying chinese it was very funny people would be laughing at us ching chong ching where are you taking this language to you know they would <laughs> oh, look at them uh, yeah. ni hao, ni hao, you know it was very funny we we had a lot of fun there were volunteer teachers coming every time okay. to, uh, to help us so anyways fast forward that was how come i took the big leap to go there yeah, I studied for a year. Uh, McAfee, your question was, what did I do? What did I do? I'm yeah, telling aside you that, academics. Okay. 
um, already academics was a big step, but aside academics, I was just trying to take inspiration from what academics was, you know, pushing me to do, and then just interacting and, you know, just using other means like going online and, you know, just interacting with people. But I, I don't know what I did specially, but it's just that, you know, quest to just know more like i would watch movies yeah. and i would listen to these their tapes and their videos i had a special um app um that was called how why am i forgetting this it's called it starts with way i forgot it but it's um has this chinese characters as well as okay. the you know you use your finger to draw it and then it will help you to trace okay. it yeah, it has. It gives you the template to help you to trace it. After you click on audio, mention the pronunciation. It shows you also the um, vocabulary and sentences you can translate from English to Chinese. It was a very great app. It was a good app. It really helped me. That was basically what I was doing. But also, I was very determined to speak. I had this um, podcast. <laughs> that I was also mm -hmm. following in Chinese, okay. which was interesting because, you know, they would be speaking the Chinese and there would be the English subtitle, but also the Chinese characters. And okay. I was just using all these to actually kind of like immerse myself because I realized that I could speak, but I couldn't write. Okay. So I couldn't, I could write, but I couldn't recognize all characters and I couldn't write. So, and I thought that the system that we learned in Chinese writing that involved the alphabet would take me very far, but it has its limits because over there they don't use, they use just the characters, you know. So I had to quickly speed up on my writing and I would also attend some of the programs that they had. They had calligraphy programs and sessions where they'll be, you know, helping yeah, students to know more about calligraphy and writing. But I should tell you that really, it was just determination and forcefulness. I would just, you know, talk to people who were doing their masters already, like a Mongolian roommate that I had. I was always, you know, checking up with her with regard to my homework. I never missed, you know, doing the homework because I thought that if I can't do this and I can't improve each day, then why did I come, you know, and how would I do the <laughs> masters? Yes. So yeah. every time when he came from her lectures, she would spend time with me, showing me, you know, how to um, improve, especially with the characters. And she was the one who helped me with grammar. And so she really was okay. helpful. Yeah, she really helped yeah. me. From your story, it's, it seems you were intentional. You knew what you wanted. Did you always have this desire to learn languages and explore other places? I think so. I think so. Every time of my life in University of Ghana, I was always learning a new language. I was either in Goethe Institute learning German or Italian Francais or at the Confucius Institute. Okay. So every semester I had something I was doing alongside. I think that my, my dad, who was also my mentor, really got that, you know, side of me very well. Uh, very All early, right. sorry. So um, I should say that at a very young age, uh, even when I was in um, junior high school or high school, I, um, when people take, you know, extra classes for classes that they don't really like or they're not doing well, I was taking extra classes for French, mm. though I was already, let's okay. say, topping French. My mom had, you know, realized that I had an extra interest. So she really 
um, got me um, somebody to really even take me further. So I actually always loved language. I remember the first language that I was learning was Ga, you know, when I was, you know, <laughs> about 12 or 11. You know, I just felt like it was quite a curious, interesting language. I hadn't heard it before, you know. And so when I, we got neighbors, yeah. I was just learning it off head without any paper or pen. And they would tell me and tomorrow I'll wow. start to, Yeah, so I think that it's okay. really innate. And I really always loved language exploring yeah. and learning languages. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So let's go back to China, to okay. your time in China. Yeah. Were there any um, stereotypical views about Blacks Organians that you needed to change? Did you experience any form of racism? Okay, so I did. I should tell you that um, I will say the racism into brackets or in quote is more of ignorance okay. for the Chinese okay. side. I don't think we can finish this side on the, <laughs> on the podcast, but there were so many instances. I I met a lot of wonderful Chinese people in my class. And um, there were also many times where, you know, you as a black person, they already have a certain mentality or they don't know blacks really well. Some would touch your skin. Some would hold your hair without without telling you. Exactly. I I just, uh, you know, and I would hear them talk about me in the Trump without knowing that I can hear them because they didn't know okay. that many Africans could maybe understand or speak so well. Sometimes they would speak with a little bit of accent, you know, because some of them from some parts of China, and they would say, And I would hear them saying that we don't wear shoes. What oh, I translate said, for us. Okay, so what I just said was, <laughs> look at her hair, look at her hair. Um, and okay. there was a time um, one said, mm-hmm. So they were just saying that you see, um, she looks a little bit better. It seems that she's from a well-to-do family a bit. She looks a bit better than you the other. And they were like, look oh, at her feet. You know, they don't wear shoes. It's when they come here that they start to wear shoes. So many things and I'm like, Oh no, should I answer? Should I not answer? <laughs> you know, it's that is the I think that is the pain of knowing to speak a, a, a different yeah. language. You can be put in situations where you hear very interesting things. And so that is a bit of, you know, I think it's more of ignorance because some of yeah. them perhaps have not traveled, you know, so much and they don't they don't know the diverse, you know, African story, uh, the African nature, yeah. our, our culture and everything. They don't even know some of, I realized that in on the internet, when you type Africa or you type Ghana, some of the pictures you see are from way back in the 90s. Or sometimes yeah. like people, girls, you know, some very old school stuff that is not even in the system anymore. Like you don't see more yeah. people. You use their internet system, mind you. Google is, is forbidden there. So you don't use Google. Mm. You don't use, you know, all this stuff. YouTube, you know, you can't use Facebook. So they have already the Weishin. The Weishin is corresponds to WhatsApp. And then they have the Baidu. The Baidu corresponds to Google and all this. So there's 
research system, I just decided to be typing stuff that I wanted to know. And I realized that, oh, this is the information these people are receiving, you know? So it's wow. already a little bit tricky. Yes. Okay. Yeah, if I should say. So I think that, yeah. well, on the level of that, I, I actually had some encounters even wanting to teach. I had so many people calling me, great interview. And then after it's like, by the way, where are you from? I'm from Ghana. It's like, Ghana? And you speak English? No? How can English be on the language? Ghana? You know? Sometimes yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. Uh, even in the UK, they wouldn't oh. accept me saying that English is my first language. English so, first language. I mean, I, I, I don't care if you don't accept that English is my first language, first but language. most of them were surprised that, okay, she speaks good English. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, yeah, we learn English and we're colonized yeah. by the British. And they not, they know nothing about that, which was also mm-hmm. surprising. But anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, so what were some of the cultural shocks that you had? Okay. Um, but just to end, you know, eventually okay, sure. I realized that a lot of people who got to know me, whether it was in class, whether because we had to do PowerPoint presentations in Chinese, yeah. some of my lecturers, eventually they just took take a liking to you and they realized that, wow, they're intelligent Africans who, you okay. know, that's some of the yeah, they told me that they had no idea of, you know, maybe Africans' intellectual capacity or they've not really exchanged intellectually with any African. So it was also like yeah. a, you are like an ambassador, if I should say, sort of, and you yeah. kind of like correct some stereotypes as you go. So it was really also yeah. a great time to really just, you know, represent differently, if I should say. Even with the work, yeah. I, I yeah. got to work with a school that was one of the greatest and, you know, dynamic schools for young minds like young children who really want to involve themselves in in learning english creatively and most of the students who came there they always started asking about uh alice you know everybody was i want to be in alice's class parents were asking of me at the point meanwhile in the beginning the interview was like (laughs) uh can we trust an african you know so i think that that is the beauty of it in the end you know stereotypes are broken that's the beauty of being an international you represent your country wherever you are exactly exactly that's a great task but at the end of the day if we do it well it amounts to much yeah your question was um um, what was cultural the shocks. exactly cultural shocks? Um, uh, I thought that the Chinese people were conservative. I actually had okay. this image that they would be, you know, strict and very, you know, wearing these traditional wears, maybe, you know, having their headband. Not at all. I mean, they're as open and as expressive as, you know, not not as the Europeans to a certain extent, but I'm just saying that there's a certain level of liberty and freedom and the culture is not so conservative as the traditional one that we, we have in our minds sometimes. I was shocked to see people drunk in the subway sometime, you know, when they were wow. partying. I was like, hey, okay, I'll see, you know, some of the girls in their mini shorts and with their boyfriends clutching at each other, sometimes even expressing love openly in the subways. And people sometimes have a preconceived misconception of them. Uh, but when you go there, you realize that, okay, they're also kind of evolving. And yeah. well, my cultural, you, when you're talking about traditional, traditional cultural shocks, um, when I, there's a whole market for weird insects and beasts. Oh, no, okay, not beasts, but weird insects that are like you know made in the form of um you know how in ghana we have the chichinga on the stick 
yeah yeah you have a market no it wasn't even it was a market but it was a market in a big modern ultra modern open space mall but when you go in that small corner they have the kind of like meat uh what do you call it beetles and these kind of wow weird insects that we don't even um chew some of them look like butterflies mm. and all that and yeah so i was like oh this is weird you know but <laughs> you don't really see anyone well some of them do chew it but they are from really you know from the hinterland some of my chinese friends were like no we don't we don't even like that we just come here to look at it and you know laugh at them yeah. and yeah so they took me there just to give me the scare and i think the international students <laughs> just go there just to like wow what what is this yeah <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um going to some restaurants also one of the shocks I had, you know, I didn't know some of them um like animal blood if I should okay. put it, you know, I was going to order some noodles and I saw that there was some kind of like caked frozen stuff in a rubber. It looked like square and it looked reddish. So I was like, "Oh, what is that?" And like, "Oh, some of them in their soup, they like to put these frozen blocks of blood, you know, cuz if they feel like it gives strength." I was like, "Oh, you know, okay. it's not human blood. It's just, you know, animal blood." Yeah, I was like, "Hey, look yeah. this, you know." So it's like that's for the food side you know we hear a lot of weird things which well some of them from the hinter hinterlands were used to you know kind of like eating or whatever and they kind of you know maybe you know have that but it's not something that any international student is like forced to eat or you know yeah you just chance upon it yeah. like oh, okay weird but when you go to our canteens you know they have rice they have wonderful noodles and neat stuff because a lot of Americans Australians come there they know the standards so okay. they don't joke with that yeah. not like you're eating weird stuff and getting sick no that's not a, that's not yeah. it and okay. well yeah with the culture they're friendly also I saw that you know whenever you interact with them in the street they really have you know this ease to just chat with you old people will just ask you questions and just laugh with you yeah. taxi drivers as well yeah so just to let you know it's the link platform and we have been chatting with alice and we are moving on to talk about what she does now with international students in Blighton Interact International Agency for Communication and Translation. So she'll be sharing more about that. Stay tuned and it's the link platform again. Hello, Alice. Hi. So, <laughs> okay, so please share about what you do with international students now and about your agency. Okay, so what I do with international students is really helping them in that process of learning as almost learning the languages that will help them in their projects in their pursuits and okay. also connecting them and informing them but also just giving them the platform to be able to learn more whether it's culturally uh whether it's in communication wise and all that because a lot of the progress that i've seen it's come with the times where i've exchanged with people connected with people and so i have a heart really that um that passion to connect and help people to get out of their shell so what we do with international students basically helping them to find a helping hand or maybe a place where they can bond and find the right information okay. and yeah exactly get learning tips and encouragement for their journey so that is what we do uh, that is what i do um i also uh being able to inspire them inspiration yeah. is a big word for me because when i was learning i felt like you know inspiration was what kept me going when i went to alliance francaise it wasn't just 
because I couldn't learn French in Legon, but it's just because inspiration was lacking. And, you know, when you sit mm. in a lecture hall for years and for months, at a point, inspiration goes dry. And it was the programs, you know, at Alliance Francaise, the night programs, the cultural exchange, the invitation of francophones that they came, that came to maybe, you know, sometimes do, doing MC, watching somebody speak fluent French, who was not a francophone, it was all inspiring for me. And the radio, yeah. Radio France Internationale, the RFE, they had many programs that involved, you know, uh, people who are already in international fields. There were many st such stuff. And whenever I went there, I came back like I was breathing um, some oxygen again to just <laughs> like, no, Alice, you too, you can. You know, yeah. Frances, when I was going for my registration, I uh, would hear agrafeuse, agrafeuse. I remember sometime I heard this word when I was queuing, I was like, what is that gaffes? What are they talking about? No, no, that was stapler. And that was the time I learned the word stapler. And I was, you know, always eager to just respond, you know, in French whenever yeah. I was booking to over there. And I just felt like, yeah, it was my little world of inspiration so that's the inspired the, the that's the avenue that the platform latin internet offers for students really that inspiration yeah wow. oh that's so, beautiful yeah so, so how, how can people get in touch with you oh no sorry you're going to tell us some of the things you do so please go on with that and then yeah. just let us know how people okay. can get in touch with you okay so um touching on that we organize um uh programs you know for some of the students that want to discover you know other places we did the discover paris trip or in 2019 and it was also to break that cycle where you come to eiffel tower you're amongst yourselves and you just take pictures yeah. and faster you're gone uh, i made it a point to get them to interact with Parisians here. Everybody had a language partner. You take the okay. number of the person and then for the night, you don't know the person yet, but you guys okay. can interact and then you guys will meet when we have the big language exchange that was in, you know, um, certain different spots and places where there was space and we had a ton of language uh, activity so you meet your partner for the first time you pair up you sit together and the you know all through you introduce yourself in the language of your your learning the language that you're learning and most of these okay. parisians were also trying to learn english so english, it was a good yeah. way yeah to have them inspired as well and so we did a lot of games the telephone arab and you know all these kind of you know um, language games that really get people laughing and exchanging changing and mm -hmm. you yeah. know we had prior uh, gifts for them so afterwards we went to town and we did a whole tour of the Champs-Élysées and people were challenged to go to shops and buy purchase stuff in French and you know just um, let them their, themselves go a little bit and they they came mm -hmm. you know as a group we helped them to really not just come and take pictures but just you know build um their, their their network as well so when they came i had an assistant um, who is still my assistant from the south of france he's doing his master's currently he's a french okay. and he but he's originally from the caribbeans and he really also um, boosted them helped them with tips and we we just answered all their questions we had a session where we interacted with them on their difficulties and what they would you know love to have so yeah that's one example um and there are other stuff like you know language coaching services that we give plus yeah. you know with, yeah um, so um can you also share with us how covid has impacted um your agency and what you've done what to be able to overcome it some of the tips that you can give people who are learning language 
during this period? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, COVID has really changed um, a lot of stuff, especially with the interaction, you know, as I was telling you, where we had this year has not been that favorable for that, you know. So I think that we would have to capitalize more on the internet and all this avenue, all these avenues, you see. I realized that it's affected the human contact part, but it's still pushing us to be more innovative and creative. Yeah. So we're trying to have language immersion over Zoom. You see, I feel like this is a time where people shouldn't give up and you could still, you know, uh, connect even with Blighton Interact or any agencies that are that dynamic to, to still keep your language learning alive. It's just... Um, yeah, the people-to-people -people exchanges can kind of like come down at this time. But um, so language immersion over Zoom, you know, kind of like having, um, we, we've done more coaching uh, and helping of professionals online. And that's also been um, helpful because um, people can easily connect online. So it's also still possible. And also, um, yeah, we've had to, also uh, hold on with maybe like visiting the year abroad, but we will still go even if we have to be in masks. I think that it still helps, but I think people yeah. should just make do and not really decline stuff, uh, offers or stuff that they, 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 they think may be inconvenient because we don't know how long this will last. So okay. we just still have to push through it. Yeah. So I think yeah. that it's really yeah. pushing us to be more creative. And um, yeah, last year we had a little um, enquête in French, we call it enquête. It's like um, a survey in the streets of yeah. Paris, knowing like how people learn languages these days. What's you know, um, you know, we've realized that most students were like they can't speak even after doing English in school for like six yeah. years. Some said four years. They said they still can't speak. They don't know why, but it's after that they try to find more interesting, dynamic ways to learn the language because the school system is too rigid and too one way. And they don't really get to speak um, the language after all. Uh, after all that so anyways we found a lot of interesting facts after that survey now we would love to do that survey still this year but looking at the mask <laughs> that people are wearing you go to us and people don't really want to take off their yeah. mask they stand with their mask and you know do any kind of interview like that so it's really a challenge for us entrepreneurs it's a challenge for those who are in the communication sector and who have a lot to do with engaging people but i still think that it's yeah it's just helpful us to find other dynamic ways even google meet and you know with a google services we still apply these and mm. see how far how best it goes thank you alice blighton darzi for inspiring our listeners with your journey alice blighton is the founder of blighton interact you can find or you can find more about her on facebook and instagram she's also a writer and her books can be purchased on amazon my name is makafui ochuchum and i have been your host on the link platform podcast bye